0: Hey, it's Andrew and today on the show we have Jenny Campbell, Vice President of Customer Experience at Discover.org. In this episode, we discuss the functions of customer marketing inside a customer success team, three essential things that move the customer attention needle, and how to define your customer segments. We also talked about Discover.org's systematic approach when it comes to customer onboarding, how they continuously iterate the onboarding process, and how they measure the impact and effectiveness. Jenny also shared unique insights on the challenges she faced when Discover.org acquired and merged with their competitors, and how Discover.org eats their own dog food by using their own product for sales, marketing, and customer success. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio
1: to yeah. different... just gun for revenue in the door
0: this is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros Each week we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth.
1: How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing.
0: Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Happy to be here.
0: It's great to have you. For the listeners, uh, Jenny is currently the VP of Customer Experience at Discover.org, a sales intelligence tool that helps salespeople find highly qualified leads and then provides them with all the details needed to contact them. Uh, Discover.org has experienced explosive growth and has also recently made the acquisition of their biggest competitor, ZoomInfo, seeing 40% year-on-year growth, doing well north now of $300 in ARR, And Jenny has been with the company through this growth she started out as the Director of Demand Generation, followed by the Senior Director of Customer Marketing, and now currently has a role as VP of Customer Experience. So Jenny, looking at your career to date, you've had predominantly held marketing roles. What triggered the jump to Customer Experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I had historically been in marketing roles, you know, marketing management roles, demand gen roles. When I joined Discover Org in the fall of 2016, and I was hired as the director of of demand gen, customer marketing actually was under that umbrella. Um, strangely enough, I had um, I had been interested in the company based on a customer marketing role because it was marketing adjacent and ended up being under the umbrella of demand gen. So for my first year or so, customer marketing was just part of that role. Um, And as the company grew so much in that Year, we realized that that actually the customer marketing function needed to be spun out completely because it required a full team, and it just didn't make sense for it to live under the Jaman Gen umbrella anymore. So I was given the option, and I chose to stick with the customer marketing side. Um, because it was a new challenge for me. I had loved building that team over the past year and getting more entrenched with our customers, figuring out you know, what makes our customers successful, how do we have healthy, happy customers that continue to renew and be advocates for us. Um, and so I was really excited about the idea of, of continuing to build that team and being focused exclusively on the customer side of the house.
0: Interesting stuff like so maybe you can just let us know a little bit just for context like how many employees how many team members are there in discover org uh, at this time so let's obviously now things have changed with the acquisition but when you made this breakout and you had a dedicated team
1: yeah so um it, it's even evolved since then actually since what i just described to you but um discover org was about a 500 person company until we acquired zoom info which was um in early february of this year so we we almost doubled or we did double in size overnight going from a 500 person company to a thousand person company in that transition um zoom info actually had a much larger marketing team than we did so some of the functions got um absorbed there were only uh, three customer marketing folks at the time of acquisition since then i actually no longer oversee customer marketing that got folded under the larger on, uh, marketing umbrella at zoom info which is a team of Oh gosh, I would say probably twenty-five or thirty folks now, and then they have about five customer marketing. So we spun off once again due to the acquisition, where um, I took on the more customer experience focus, and customer marketing was actually folded in as um, a, a leg in their in the standard marketing organization. So we've okay. sort of come full, full circle on 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 customer marketing. The idea. And the reason that customer marketing existed in customer experience for the time that it did is when we, when we thought about our customer base and retention of our customer base, we tried to think about what are the key leading indicators that keep healthy, happy customers that renew, right? Are they actually using... The platform um, to the point where they're getting the business results and they want to advocate for you. Um, Are they going through the right training so that they get can get to that level of adoption and usage and are they integrating our data with the systems that they already have in place things like Salesforce and Marketo and HubSpot and outreach and those other systems and so we brought those teams together under the customer experience umbrella so it was customer marketing our learning and development and training teams and our integrations teams as a group to fully focus on pushing those leading indicators that we knew were really important for renewal
0: Okay, so maybe like talk us through the function then of customer marketing. So, uh, like in a typical company, what sort of the focus areas? Was it more like trying to drive sales, or was it really looking at that adoption and how to drive adoption? Like, what was the main focus?
1: There's kind of there's there's three buckets. There's certainly the upsell bucket, right? Supporting the um, the customer revenue teams on things like upsell campaigns and stuff like that. There's the adoption component. So making sure that our customers are actually utilizing the platform. And then there is the advocacy. So on our customer marketing team, we actually have folks focused on those three specific areas. So you know, there are different team members focused on those three areas under the customer marketing umbrella. So upsell, adoption, and advocacy.
0: Very nice. And then I I think from the sounds of it as well, then you spent a lot of your time thinking about the challenges of uh, retention and churn. Uh, What are some of the early things that you realized within this team that really helped and moved the needle on it?
1: Yeah, so we had done some, um, going on probably 18 or 24 months now, we had done some retention modeling to try to Figure out and hone in on the factors that we think determine, or not that we think that we prove out to determine if a customer actually renews or not. Because uh, we have customers that range from very small SMB companies to very large enterprises um, that come to us and buy Discover Oregon Zoominfo for a variety of reasons. And so we have customers that span, you know, the, the whole gamut as far as size and need, and and when we were looking at those customers, we were we were realizing that they, they retain at different rates and there are factors that could determine how they retain um, for each of those segments. And so we started looking at some of the, um, the, what we now call leading indicators of whether we think a company of a certain size is likely to renew or not. And the three things that really rose, well, two things really in particular that should not be a surprise to anyone, right? Usage and adoption. Are they actually using using the platform so you know are all of their you know if they if they purchased 100 user licenses how many of those 100 users are actually logging in on a regular basis and doing activities and exporting data and and things like that and then the other thing that was also very um that was revealed that should not be surprising is are they integrated? So you know we have a Salesforce native application, so are they using that native application? Do they have our data running through their other go to market systems, marketo, Hubspot, outreach, those types of systems? And if so, of course those those customers that did that were were much were much stickier. Um, and so and then we also knew that customers that had gone through training and onboarding in an ideal way, ultimately ended up having more usage and adoption. And so those teams that focused on those activities were actually disparate through the company. Learning and development was rolling up through um, finance, um, and we had integrations rolling up to customer success. And so what we did was we brought all those teams together and and we said, okay, this is now the customer experience team and they're exclusively focused on impacting what we now know to be the leading indicators of renewal. And that's are they integrated are they trained and are they what is their usage healthy
0: very nice and so you did that uh, sort of analysis uh, taking a look back at it you said it was about 12 to 18 months uh or was it yeah. longer than that yeah um and then so how like did you sort of define the buckets in the beginning so you mentioned like the different company sizes like what was the yeah. the idea behind that was there any sort of obvious patterns that you saw
1: yeah the way that we have the, the way that we look at our customer segments and we have for the past couple of years and frankly has worked really well for us is we first look at the size are you um and we have buckets to determine whether you're categorized in B or mid-market or an enterprise right do you have you know up to your 100 employees 100 to a 1, thousand and a thousand plus we first look at that what size company are you and then we actually look at Um, your growth rate. So how fast are you adding headcount? Did you get any recent funding? Things like that. And we sub segment based on their growth rates. And then we have teams structured to support those customer segments. So if I am an account manager or a customer success manager, all the accounts in my portfolio are like, right? They're all SMB or mid-market or enterprise customers that are in similar stages of growth or growing at similar rates. So it really helps our supporting teams be able to become experts in how to best manage those customers.
0: And then within those sort of segments, do you go any uh, like more granular? Do you try and take a look at the different types of roles? Do you see like any specific, uh, I'd imagine as well, like particularly any company account with more salespeople might be a little bit more of a stickier use case or?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So our customers within those segments and sub-segments to your point have different use cases. In some cases, um, they're using us on their sales teams. Um, and even that has a bunch of different ways that they might be using right they might just have some field sales people that are out in the field and need company and contact data sort of on the fly, or they might be needing data to drive, um, you know, inside sales activity or, or managing inbound and outbound. So we have Um, we look at what is their use case, right? Are they a sales user or are they a marketing users um, or a marketing use case, I should say. So if a marketing department is using us, their use case is much different, right? They're building out campaigns and using us for their lead gen activities. They might be keeping their marketing automation systems clean with our data. So their use case is different. And then we actually have a lot of um, HR and recruiting use cases as well. So companies, um, you know, internal recruiting departments or even um, agencies, that are using our data to actually find and place candidates, and yeah. so we have to um, we have to be able to service all those customers. This is where our customer marketing team really comes in to help us support, right? Developing best practices for each of those use cases, so that we can best help our customers get the most out of the data.
0: Very nice. So. Uh- Maybe you could walk us through that in a little bit more detail. So you said, let's take the segment where it's roughly 100 licences. Like what would a typical onboarding process look like for a company of that size where you're trying to onboard 100 uh, people onto the organization? Like what would your typical uh, team be doing? What are some of the activities you try to be run with these customers to try to get them integrated and uh, activated?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So um, our sales cycle, depending, can can be relatively short. We do try to collect as much information as we can during the sales cycle around, certainly, you know, use case, what does your tech stack look like. Um, My teams really kick into place the second the deal is sold. So if we think about, I'll walk you through kind of our our optimal onboarding for a customer that has just purchased 100 licenses and maybe they're, you know, they're a sales group um, and so they want to use this for sales purposes. So um, the new business side of the house, so think about a typical account executive actually closes the deal um, literally immediately. So, you know, within the hour, they are introduced to a customer success manager that from that point on is their main point of contact. So you are now a customer, they get a call from a the customer success manager usually within 10 or 15 minutes to you know welcome them to the Discover Or Dream Info family and start to talk them through what onboarding looks like. They may have had some preview of that during the, the sales process, but you can imagine, you know, salespeople, they want to get the deal closed. They probably don't spend a ton of time talking about what the onboarding process looks like unless unless the customer has asked for it. So we try to make it really clear for the customers second they come on board, this is what this, what this is going to look like. We start with a kickoff call. And this is usually with just our main points of contact at the customer. So sometimes that's one person, right? It could be the VP of sales or it could be a handful um, of folks. And we spend an hour going through things with the customer, things like, um, you know, what are their business goals? What are they trying to accomplish? Why did they buy Discover Work in the first place? Some of them might say, you know, our conversion rates are low or, you know, our SDRs are only setting 10 demos a day and we need them to be setting 30 demos a day whatever those business objectives are so we kind of walk through that we walk through what does your tech stack look like what tools are you using Do you use Salesforce Do you use Marketo uh, we we get an understanding of their tech stack and we get an understanding of their use case which teams are actually going to be using the service and you know what are those teams trying to to accomplish and we document and capture all that information At the end of the kickoff call, we want to um, set them up with next steps. And the next steps for a customer of that size would be an integrations call with our integrations team. So we have a specialized, centralized team of integration folks, and they will get on the phone with that customer and help them do all the mapping in their Salesforce or set up their Marketo to get them integrated if they have something in their tech stack that we actually integrate with. And then as soon as that's complete, they go through training. So we have a learning and development team that is also broken out based on segments. So, um, you know, if you are a mid-market customer, you end up with a mid-market training team um, that handles your onboarding and training. So at that point, all the users are invited to a live training session um, where the learning and development manager would actually walk through, you know, this is how you use the platform. I know this is what you're actually trying to accomplish in the platform and shows them, you know, kind of the the nuts and bolts really um, in that first hour as a starting point so that almost immediately our customers can be up and running. In fact, when a customer gets signed, their users can be provisioned in within a couple of hours. So, you know, as soon as we we get the completed agreement, we go ahead and provision that customer so that their users can start accessing the platform, maybe a couple days later until they actually get trained and feel comfortable using it. But we, we try to get customers up and running as soon as possible. We do have a goal for our internal teams of getting every customer onboarded within 30 days, which means they had a kickoff call, they got integrated, they went through training, and they have they have achieved some basic um you know some basic usage patterns, I would say most yep. customers get onboarded much faster than than thirty days, but thirty days is our goal
0: and your specific reason why you you selected thirty days as the goal or
1: um, we find that most of our customers you know they want to get up and running as soon as possible. It helps keep everybody on track you know we we're, we're starting to look at the metrics like you know what is their you know speed and time to adoption and value. One of the things that we're really trying to focus on lately is well, we've all had, but we have a renewed focus on it is just, you know, really understanding uh, what our customers are expecting to get from their investment and helping them get there as soon as possible. So when I said in the kickoff call, we, we really dive into What are your business goals and objectives? Our customer success team is constantly circling back on those to make sure that everything is is in place and on track for them to actually achieve that. And part of that means that we wanna get them up and running and using a platform as soon as possible. After 30 days, then we launch into additional training. We have a full university. Um, They're in constant contact with their customer success manager and those types of things so that we can continue to push them further down the path, but we want them to be you know, really up and running and using the platform within those first 30 days.
0: Yeah, very nice. And then, so as well, you said you, at this first introductory call, you're trying to really understand what the business goals are and you're documenting all this. Like, what sort of uh, tools are you using to document this? How do you enforce, like, the follow-up? And uh, how are you sort of using that information throughout your customer's life cycle?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So we... um we documented in, sale, in so We've built some, a bunch of custom objects in Salesforce, and we document that. We have, you know, a kickoff object and a training object, and so we document those things in Salesforce, and it actually um, auto-generates an email that fires directly to the customer as soon as that call is done. To so that sits that says you know here's what we heard you say this is what we know you want to accomplish this is what your tech stack looks like here is our plan for success so it has a you know this is what what we think you need to be doing right now this is how we're going to help you get there and this is what our relationship is going to look like going forward we internally we call it a cod but it's really just a customer onboarding document, and it's like a, it's a way for us to officially communicate the customer that we understand what they're trying to accomplish, and we are partners to help them get there, and we have a plan for doing so. We then continuously circle back on that information. So the customer success team is really tasked with, Circling back with those customers at, you know, 30 days, 90 days, or more often, you know, depending on on the needs of the customer to make sure that everything is on track as far as them achieving um, the business results that they set out to. So we also manage that in Salesforce. We have another a custom object called Touchpoints that helps us manage um, you know, is the customer actually on track based on what we know they're trying to accomplish. So we use the hack out of Salesforce with a uh, a bunch of custom objects that allow us to have a real time view of customer health and happiness.
0: Very nice. And then, so you're monitoring that throughout, you say like the the CS uh, rep is trying to reach out whenever the customer needs it. Are there any regular intervals where you're reaching out as checkpoints uh, to like check in with the goals and see how your customers are doing? Do you have anything as a systematic approach or uh, it's more just as customer demands? Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, absolutely, yeah. So we 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 strive for some some set touch points. Obviously, in addition to those touch points, there might be others, but um, a couple of them are things like as soon as they complete training, right? We, we need to check in with them to make sure, okay, how was training? Did you get what you needed from training? Did all your users get trained? If not, let's make sure that we get those users trained. So there's initial sort of some checkpoints that occur in onboarding or call it the first 30 days. Sometimes training takes place in the first seven days. So we want to make sure they got everything out. Um, everything they needed from training and then um, you know the, the customer success managers are required to check in with the customers um, at least once every 60 days in a formal way so um, that means that there's two in, two-way engagement with a customer um, and we're able to you know when we hang up the phone with that customer the, C, the customer success manager should know if the customer is happy unhappy Neutral, you know, so that we can make a plan there. And then we also um, do SBRs with our customers, So depending on what size of the customer. We do one to two strategic business reviews with that with customers as well. And those are conducted by our customer success managers.
0: Very nice. And uh, like I saw that you said, you get a like a pulse check because that was going to be my next question in terms of like happiness and how satisfied customers are. How do you go about measuring the impact uh, and the effectiveness of the onboarding process with your customers? Is there any ways that you're measuring this over time to see uh, making improvements?
1: Yeah, we look at, um, we look at things like um, seat utilization and the speed at which they get to 100% seat utilization. And then, the usage of their actual users so you know if it gets to be 30 days and we know they bought got 10 licenses and only six of those folks have used right they're at 60 percent seat utilization we want to get that up to to closer to 100 or if we're coming up in the 30 days and we know that they have both Salesforce and Marketo in their hubs in and Salesforce and Marketo in their tech stack but they're not yet integrated we have programs in place to try to drive those integrations but we're really looking at are the users and the account actually using and consuming the data on a regular basis so not just did they log in once and then not again for two months we want to see regular and consistent patterns of usage throughout the whole account and if not then that flags us to be able to proactively go back to the customer. So it might not be at, you know, 30 or 60 or 90 days. It's just, hey, we see that, you know, you have six users that haven't logged in in 30 days, or, hey, we notice that you now have Martetto in your tech stack. Let's talk about getting integrated. Or I notice these users are not adopting the platform at the same rate that some other users are. Let's think about getting them into some additional training.
0: Nice. So you're just really trying to keep a regular pulse of how that account is doing. When it yep. comes to the overall the experience through the onboarding, like is that something that's evolving as you're learning about the customers more and more and sort of how do you go about uh, making changes to the onboarding itself? So uh, you might retroactively see it hasn't been so effective with one customer, but is there sort of things where you're checking the experience over time to sort of see, okay, like we've made some additions or changes to it and this has really had a big impact in that overall adoption of the individual accounts?
1: Absolutely. I think one of the things that's been that that has helped most dramatically in this last year since we rolled it out is the motion that I walked you through as it related to the kickoff where we collect all the information from the customer and really understand their use case. Because what that actually means is that when the learning and development manager gets on the phone to train the customer, that the training feels and actually is very customized based on that customer's use case. I think, you know, if I look back to how we did this three years ago, I would say our training moments during onboarded may have been a little bit more generic, right? Across the board, they wouldn't have taken um, as much as they do now things into consideration what size of the company, and in particular, what is their use case? Who do I have on the phone? Am I talking to a group of SDRs? Am I talking to marketing ops folks? Whatever that looks like, so that the, the training and the enablement is actually really customized based on that company's particular use case. So we have a a rapidly growing and scaling learning and development group that is purely focused on understanding a customer's use case and helping them get the full value from the platform based on their use case.
0: Very nice. So like really trying to dive into the specifics of how you can help each individual customer, each individual segment of customers get value. Um, The other
1: thing I would say from an an onboarding perspective that we've really improved on the last year is just our use our our tracking around onboarding so that we can see things like you know how quickly are we getting customers to the kickoff stage and the integration phase and the training phase and really having controls in place and and visibility into metrics that allow us to see that in real time so we know you know where things might be slipping through the cracks and we can so we're constantly making refinements based on okay and every week we track you know what percentage of our customers are getting trained in this first 30 days and we watch that percentage every week so we can see how it's trending and if it's trending down then obviously we need to go in and and make some tweaks.
0: Very nice and are you using sort of any other um, metrics like CSAT or NPS to measure the effectiveness?
1: We are starting to so our our support team um, is using CSAT and we are just starting to dabble I would say in NPS. Our rollout of NPS so far has been has been fairly light. Um, as in we, you know, we we serve up an MPS questions, uh, question as soon as a customer is is done with onboarding. Uh, we are in the process of rolling out a much more robust MPS program, program that allows us to um, interact with both engaged and unengaged users and accounts and at various points in their life cycle so we can start seeing start to have a better view of how mps is trending based on those factors as opposed to just sort of like point in time measurement yeah so we have a we have a dedicated resource on our team now that is going to be exclusively focused over the next six or eight months for rolling out a, um, a more robust mps program
0: and It's probably going to be exciting as well i'm sure you're going to learn a lot from yeah that it's, it's, it's
1: something that we've just yeah it's something we wanted to do for a really long time we know it's important and we've just been a little bit resource constrained for that um you know area particularly Um, so i'm i'm really excited that we can we can put a a big focus on it now
0: yeah and let's flip the switch a little bit and go uh, onto the other side uh, like after onboarding maybe talk about renewals a little bit and how do you see renewals at discover what's your process like around uh, that
1: yeah, absolutely. So, we're going through a, a little bit of an evolution here um, uh, that I can walk you through that may give a little bit more context to the way that we that we think about renewal. So, uh, historically at, at Discover.org, when, when a new customer came on, they were uh, assigned a customer success manager, and that customer success manager was responsible for everything related to that account. So, um, they were not only the main point of contact for the account, making sure that they were getting as much value as possible, but they were also um, tasked with the revenue associated with that account. So that could be you know, upsell revenue or renewal revenue. So they were really doing everything for an account. Um, and when we acquired Zoom Info back in February, they had been operating under a slightly different model for six or so months. And their model was, was that when a customer came on board, they were given a customer success manager, and that, that person was truly a customer success manager. So they were not revenue focused at all. They did not carry quotas, nothing like that. They were strictly focused on helping the customer achieve the business results that they wanted to achieve. And then they had a layer of account managers that were more revenue focused, almost like an AE would be, right? Identifying upsell opportunities and then handling renewal transactions and, and and getting customers to renew. We are in the process of applying that model company-wide now, so actually starting next Monday, Monday, we're launching a new model where when customers go come on board, they will be given a customer success manager, and then there will be a layer of account managers that are focused on revenue, so our customer success managers are focused exclusively on customer health, and interestingly enough, logo, logo renewal, and the account managers are focused on net retention.
0: Makes a lot of sense. And something that's come up as well in the podcast, a few other companies. I think we spoke to uh, Keep Truckin uh, recently as well. We had a similar approach where uh, really trying to preserve the relationship between the customer success manager and uh, the company and then really having that sort of key focus on revenue.
1: Um, What we found was, you know, is that when we had – so you know, we're a fast growing company, when we had one team of of resources managing our accounts that were in charge, you know, also tasked with revenue, our net retention numbers have always been really, really strong. And what that was actually masking a little bit that we didn't see up until about 12 or 18 months ago was that even though our net retention, so financially everything was really strong, our logo renewal rates had been pretty flat for a couple of years. They weren't going down, but they had been pretty flat. And so now as a business, what we're really focused on is getting those logo renewal rates up. And so with this new model, you have the customer success team. If they are driving towards healthy customers that are more likely to renew, we should start to see those logo rena- uh, those logo renewal rates increase. And so you just have two teams focused on those two different metrics.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And it, it's it's almost like a really clear distinction in terms of when you're thinking about churn or retention, having that separation between like a sales, more salesy role and a more customer success role uh, between logo and uh, MRR retention. Uh, it, yeah. it really gives you a clear picture in terms of like what they're trying to achieve as uh, team members.
1: Absolutely. And I will say, you know, at Discover Org, we have always prided ourselves on being a fairly lean, mean organization and running hyper-efficiently. And so when we first acquired ZoomInfo and we saw that they had this customer success and account manager role, um, we weren't, to be honest, totally uh, open to it at first because it, it's obviously not as efficient, right? You have more bodies bodies managing every account. And so that just makes you know, things less efficient, but what we did see is with that model, they got significant lifts in both net retention and logo retention. And so um, It has opened our eyes to a, just a new way of of looking at things and realizing that, you know, you can make some efficiency compromises that are actually in the long run, not going to be compromises at all because your logo renewal rates and your net retention rates are likely to go up with more more resources focused on accounts and particularly to your point are resources that are exclusively focused on helping the customers get the business value.
0: Yeah, I love that as well because it's typically like one of the things in customer success, it's one of those things hard to justify as well like to expand and, and grow the resources because it's not one of those ones where you see the immediate ROI but you have this unique perspective of having this acquisition where it's been operated from two different uh, perspectives and seeing like actually what the impact is of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have there been any any other interesting things that you've noticed between now between the two companies as you uh going forward with this merger when it comes to churn and retention that you've found interesting?
1: Um you know I think what we what we what we saw is that we were <laughs> You know they were our biggest competitor for a long time, or certainly in the last couple of years and so um it's interesting what you what you think a company is when you're competing against them, and then when you become one team, you realize that you you know you're all you're all kind of the same. <laughs> kind of the same and um the the interesting thing about zoom info is because they're offering what had been slightly different than ours their database was much larger their total addressable market was actually significantly larger than ours because they could just sell to more companies and so we have had to think about in the acquisition how do we continue to like integrate and structure teams to not only um try to penetrate a larger market than at DiscoverOrg we had thought about before, but actually supporting customers um, across a much larger market than we ever have, so we, we're doing some work on, you know, our how do we look at the way that we segment our customers um, even further, farther than we than we have before. Um, there are some best practices that we had been doing at DiscoverOrg related to how we segment customers, so based on size and growth, which was quite different than the way that ZoomInfo they were territory based, and so going forward, we are going to adopt the model that discover org had been using based on company size and growth yet at zoom info they had been using the account manager and customer success manager model that now we are adopting um, across the organization so we've really been able to over the last six or seven months dive in and really figure out what has worked really well in both organizations and adopt those um, for our go-to-market teams and, and frankly for the rest of the organization, but to really kind of optimize our structure for our go-to-market teams as we you know, head into Q3 and Q4. Yeah,
0: picking up like the best of both worlds. Um, yep. What has been the biggest challenge throughout this process now and uh, dealing with the merger that you'd say up until now?
1: Um, you know, it's, uh, we had a couple of years um, before we acquired zoom info we had uh, acquired what was at that time our biggest competitor in the market which was which was which was rain king um, and so we had gone through this before and we had come out the other side we had integrated and but going into the zoom info acquisition it just felt different because um, they were of equal size to us from both a revenue and a headcount perspective And they were doing really well, right? They were doing really, really, really well. And so, as a business, we had to figure out from day one at the point of acquisition, we're bringing together two very healthy, fast growing companies. And how do you move through an integration like that without disrupting any of the business? right because you can't we can't say okay well we just acquired a company and so you know we're going to have a couple months where we may not hit our targets or growth is going to slow down none of those were options on the table so we had to move very swiftly from an integrations perspective understanding you know how the business works how are the teams structure and figuring out what does a phase plan look like so that we can integrate these two companies at equal size become a thousand person company while still Achieving or exceeding our targets um, as an organization, without skipping a beat, and we've been able to do that, which has been um, really fun to be a part of, and frankly, I think very impressive <laughs> that we've been able to been able to do that. Uh, we are at the point now where we are fully integrated. Right, we have one set of go to market teams. All departments are fully integrated, and we really are. In fact, this past Monday, we had a big, you know, um, company wide celebration around the fact that we are one team now. And so seeing that happen over the last six months has been has been pretty incredible to watch, but mostly because we have not skipped a beat. Our growth has been um, just as it always was. And we've hit all our red, revenue targets and retention targets and things like that. So the, the teams have really pushed themselves to, to get through it without compromising anything along the way.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and I think like often in, in startups and in fast moving startups, you think like, growth of 30 40 50 people in the space of 6 months is a lot but doubling headcount from 500 to over 1000 and still not yeah. uh, missing a beat is is definitely super impressive. Yeah, uh, I
1: get out. it hasn't been easy but we've been able to do it. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, I'm interested to hear a little bit about like, what are some interesting ways that discover org is using discover org
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we um, we have always, you know, we are a sales driven company. And so we have always, you know, as they say, eaten our own dog food. Um, our teams, our sales and marketing and operations team use both Discover Org and Zoom Info Data um, all day every day to feed all their sales and prospecting efforts to keep our database clean in the same way that our customers do and to feed to feed marketing campaigns um, we have also made some ac- other acquisitions over the last couple of years we acquired a company called never bounce which is an email verification company so that's really helped from a data cleansing perspective as well but our our teams um, and our all of our go-to-market teams and sales and marketing um, use discover the data from Discover Oregon Zoom and So every single day, <laughs> all day, every day, we can expect our our customers to use it. And and frankly, it is what fuels our sales and marketing efforts. Right? It it is absolutely the lifeblood um, of all of our prospecting and and marketing and 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 also from our from a customer service success perspective as well. So, you know, we encourage our customers to think about using our data, certainly from the app to acquire new customers, sales and marketing, but also from a customer management perspective, like it's really important for us to understand what is happening at our own customers to help better serve them, right? Are they going through transitions? Are they adding or dropping technologies? And what does that mean for the way that they use our data? Are they going through their own Um, mergers and acquisitions? Are they getting additional levels of funding? So we use our own data from, you know, we have scoop data and intent data that we use every day to help um, us keep tabs on our customers, Um, as well as internally we use our, we have a feature on our, our platform called org charts, which is Um, Just an org chart of what's happening within an organization, what does the structure look like, who's in what position, who reports to who, and that's really valuable for, you know, if you have a customer that you're trying to grow or expand, certainly helping to understand what the rest of that organization looks like but also keep helping us understand, you know, we might have a main point of contact that moves on, gets another job, gets let go, gets promoted, whatever. And so helping us keep track of those so we're never in a position where, you know, we have a main point of contact walk out the door and we don't know who to call.
0: Yeah, uh, I like that a lot. uh, And it's good to see that you're not only using from a sales and marketing perspective but found good ways to use it in customer success as well. Um, Yep, yep. So maybe last question I have for you, uh, and it's a little bit of a hypothetical scenario for today, is I'd like to put you in a new role. Let's pretend you've joined a new company now and um, you've come in and you've seen churn and retention is not great at all within this company. And you've been Mm -hmm. tasked to try and turn things around. Um, What are some of the things Mm -hmm. that you would want to be doing in the first two to three months of this company?
1: I think the very first step is understanding who your customers are, really understanding who their customers are, and then starting to look at what drives a customer's, you know, in your customers, what is driving a customer to stay or go or spend more, right? To start to really understand what are the leading indicators, you know, the customers that tend to leave look a certain way or have signs. You know, customers give us signals all the time, right? They give us signals that are just, um, you know, we, we know just based on before a customer even engages with our platform, we know based on a couple factors what their likelihood to renew at the end of the first year is, right? Now, the other factors get on, so really understanding who are, who are your customers, and then diving into what, what are those signals that the customers send us along the way that help us understand how healthy they are, how happy they are, and how likelihood they are to renew? And then you just kind of double down on those findings, right? You build, you build teams, and you structure teams, and you, you try to find insights that help you manage those customers along the way so that you, can, you understand when you see a signal, that's a not, not a good one. And you have teams in place to be able to try to change the outcome. And then you also understand what makes a really healthy, happy customer. And you build teams and programs to get more customers into that bucket. But I think what happens, and we were in this vision a couple of years ago, is we just look at stats at the end of the year and we're like, gosh, our retention rates for our SMB segment are not great. And then you spend a bunch of time diagnosing that we just have sped up that cycle and we do all of that in real time now. So we do it every single month. We, we, we look at our stats and we look at how our leading indicators every single month. um, Did or did not help us determine what those final outcomes at the end of the month were going to be. And then we make real time adjustments to the programs and the teams um, that are part of that. So it's it for us. It's It's data, data, data. We really, really have to understand. And I would do the same thing if I went to any other company. I would start to dive in and understand all the customers as best as possible. That's customers that are with you and customers that are no longer with you. Try to start to understand what those leading indicators are. And then you, and then you just, you build teams and, you know, for us, it's, it's optimization. We change stuff all the time. We are not afraid to pivot, to change, to evolve, to optimize based on real-time findings. And we move really fast, so we have to be nimble enough to do that. But I think you know, if we were a, a slower organization, we would, oh, this is interesting. And then six months later, you sort of do something about it. We pretty much operate in, in real time. And I think you need to be able to move fast to be able to impact those outcomes immediately.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, definitely. So what you're saying as well is like really get to the the bottom of uh, understanding who your users are, what the pain points are, and then moving really, really fast to change and uh, adapt and help serve them better. Uh, I mentioned yeah. before it was the last question, but I had one more. Uh, I have one more yeah. for you now but off the back of this as well. is, uh, What is one thing that you wish you could do today, but you just haven't got to when it comes to trying to tackle churn and retention at your company um, and maybe just your priorities or resources? But one thing that you, that's on your radar that you want to be testing, you want to be trying out, but you just haven't got around to yet?
1: Um, well, I would say that was my wish, but my wish is about to come true because my wish has been for a long time to, to, to go to market with this structure that I have been describing where you have customer success managers that are focused solely on helping customers achieve their, their business results. And that wish is coming true for me because we are in the process of launching that model. And I'm, I'm I'm going to be lucky enough to lead the, the customer success organization, um, as part of that. of that effort but i think you know the 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 constant wish i guess is is being having being able to control the teams and when i say control i mean the control of of optimizing the teams that you know are going to have the biggest impact and i think for us the biggest impact is going to be um putting more more resources more bodies more more folks in the customer relationship that are solely focused on the success of that customer. Revenue is important. We always need the revenue groups. We always need groups that are going to make sure our customer renews and that we sell them more. But our job is to really tee up that motion for those sales folks so that, you know, then renewal becomes a no brainer. And so um, I, I have to be really focused on the health, happiness and what value are our customers getting from day one so that, you know. When it's month eleven and they're faced with making a renewal decision, it's just it's
0: just a no brainer. Yeah. Um,
1: yep. And and that's what we're driving to. So I would say my wish is my wish has actually has actually come true. Now we just need to have, now have the pressure of, of of proving it out. But I feel like we are we are better positioned than we ever have to um, to make the impact that we we know we've needed for a long time, um, and and we're finally positioned to to do it in the way that i think is going to have the biggest impact
0: very cool yeah i love as well like that focus and that deep dive of really just trying to focus on making your customers successful because at the end of the day then sales almost becomes redundant uh, if they're getting the yeah. value if they're seeing it they're going to stick around yeah. so jenny uh, <laughs> it, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today uh, before we go is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with like maybe how they could keep up to date uh, with yourself or with discover org anything that uh, you'd like to point them towards?
1: yeah absolutely so um you know keep an eye out for discover oregon and 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 zoom info you're i think you'll see a, a, a lot more of us if you're not already a customer uh check us out for your sales and marketing and and recruiting teams i personally i love just kind of talking about churn and retention and customer experience so you know i love to make connections on linkedin i'm jenny campbell on linkedin and um I I love talking to people, uh, other people in the space and sharing ideas. So please reach out to me and I'd love to have those conversations.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks very much for joining today, Jenny. It's been really a pleasure to hear uh, how things are going over at Discover.org, the explosive growth that you've seen and how you're managing uh, to continue that growth now during this big merger and really having that core focus around your customer and uh, on their success. So I thank you. I wish you best of luck now as you go forward and uh, as your wish is starting to come true. Uh, so best of luck thank you <laughs> thank
1: you so much Andrew appreciate it
0: thanks cheers bye 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 and that's a wrap for the show today with me Andrew Michael I really hope you enjoyed it and you are able to pull out something valuable for your business to keep up to date with churn.fm and be notified about new episodes blog posts and more subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.